So this morning I'll be offering another practice. Um, and before I do that, just to, to say that um, if you feel that either you feel that there's already, you know, some enough kind of input and um, you're, you're doing quite um, well with, with what we've offered so far or, you know, it's enough for you, then uh, please feel free to just kind of um, press the pause button and um, not... Uh, try necessarily another practice uh, through the day. I mean, I would still encourage you now to listen and to try out this practice on this for this session, and then do, you can just kind of put it to one side if um, if it feels like either there's a practice um, that feels very um, juicy at the moment, like that's really working for you, that's really kind of um, feels that like you want to deepen with, you want to go with, and then just stick to that one. Um, and it can be any you know, either the Samatha practice or any of the ways of looking that we've offered. Or if it just feels like, you know, um, too much to, to try and incorporate another practice in and then just to, to keep working with the other ones. And so the, the, the practice that um, I'll be offering today is, is a natural extension to, to the Anicca practice, the impermanence practice that Nathan was introducing yesterday. Um, and it's called a dukkha way of looking. A dukkha way of looking already sounds pretty grim. <laughs> but it isn't. So um, we'll be looking, and this is going to continue sounding grim, we'll be looking at the unsatisfactory nature of experience. So if yesterday with the, with the Anicca practice we were looking at the impermanence of experience, the extension of that is to actually see the unsatisfactoriness of any phenomena that arises. Um, first of all, because of its imp impermanent nature. That's why it uh, flows on from that practice and also from things I was saying last night. So really... Um, you know, we can do it with a gentle uh, noting, just like with the Anicca, we were using a noting of Anicca, impermanent. Um, so, so now we can use a noting of um, either dukkha or unsatisfactory or, you know, whatever, whatever other <laughs> noting is useful for you um, in there. And it kind of has a subtext, yeah? So dukkha or unsatisfactory because of a Nietzsche because of its impermanence. It's like a subtext, a subtitle, a subtext, a whisper in the background that we bring in. And the interesting thing with all these ways of looking, you know, when we practice, we're looking at, as I'm using this, um, you know, looking at experience through this lens, you know, really we're looking at it through the lens of not satisfactory not satisfactory. As I'm doing that, does that bring a release of clinging? That's what we're interested in. Does that bring, as I'm looking through this lens, does this bring a release of clinging, a release of craving? Does it bring a sense of letting go? And again, you know, it can sound quite grim, quite bleak. Um, 
And, and so the invitation is just like the quote with Nisargadatta Maharaj last night and his student, the invitation is to try it out and see. And actually it can bring quite a lot of release and joy. So, you know, without putting that weight on the practice that I need to be feeling release and joy, but just to, to see what happens when, when we do it. To check it out in your own experience. So Nathan mentioned early on in the retreat this quote um, of the Buddha where he says, the wise seek to understand experience. And this can really be kind of a motivation for us in doing this. You know, we're doing this to really um, understand experience. That's our motivation. That's our intention. Can we feel the possibility of this being a practice that's actually life-affirming? that's actually um, really got an intimate interest in, in life, in phenomena, in experience, on a very deep level, not on a superficial level, but on a very deep level. And so to kind of go into this a little bit more, this release of, of the craving that is possible through this practice, and a little bit more about happiness, um, and again in continuation to the talk. So last night we, sp- I spoke about, you know, happiness is that which can be born with ease. When we start looking at our experience, and and you can probably reflect on your experience and see this, often what we experience as um, happiness or as a or as a sense of um, well-being is. Um, you know, we associate it with the getting of an object, of getting a something, you know, whether it's a calm mind or a concentrated mind or it's lunch, you know, or whatever it is, you know, we associate it with something external and we've gotten it now and now we feel happy. When we start looking more closely at our experience, what we see is that the sense of happiness is actually the relief that we feel when the clinging and the craving relax. Yeah? So we have a clinging or a craving, some tightening in the being around getting something or pushing something away. And then when that thing happens, we feel a sense of happiness because there's a release of the clinging and the craving. You know, we've gotten it, what we wanted. So in that moment, there's a release. And we associate it with getting the object. Yeah? But actually, and this is again a real invitation to look at this as we do the practice today. There's a beautiful um, piece of research that was done a few years ago, which really illustrates this. And of course, the Buddha spoke about it thousands of years ago. We can see this directly in our experience, but I like research as well. So they um, wired people up with all kinds of sensors, I think mostly on the skin, uh, with a measurement that they developed to measure um, a sense of of happiness. And they sent them out into a shopping mall to shop. And what they found was that the, the measurement of the happiness peaked. It got to the peak at the moment the person was standing at the checkout till and handing over their credit card. That was when it peaked. 
it started going down again from the moment the transaction was ended and they actually got the shopping bag with their shopping. Yeah, really interesting and really illustrates what I've just spoken about. You know, it's not the thing. It's the wanting of the, the release of the wanting of the thing, which brings the sense of relief and happiness. So just to, to bear it in mind. So part of what we're exploring with this way of looking, with all the ways of looking actually that we've been looking at, is to go directly to the source of happiness. <laughs> so we're going directly to relieving, to the, to the letting go of the clinging and the craving. We don't need to go to the object because we know the object doesn't offer it in a lasting way. You know, we just in this experiment, shopping experiment, as soon as the bag, they got the bag, the craving comes back again and is looking for something else, you know. So, you know, shopping malls are a great example of this. You know, how many people go into a shopping mall to shop as a recreational activity and just buy one thing, you know. It's like, it's a whole, you know, hours or days worth of experience. So it just keeps moving from one thing to the other. So in the practice, we're actually trying to go directly to the letting go of the craving and, and, and the clinging. And so sometimes, you know, things that we've touched on, we've explored on seeing the impermanence of things, acceptance as a practice, do that. That's exactly what they do. And so possibly yesterday when we were looking at, you know, seeing all phenomena as in constant, at some points that's what was happening. You know, we see something as impermanent, it naturally relaxes the clinging or the craving around it. And some release can come. So here's an interesting thing probably not new to you, but interesting, yeah? It's the craving that is the dukkha, yeah? The craving is the dukkha. And the dukkha is also contraction, yeah? The way we know the craving in our being is through a sense of contraction. On a physical level, on a mental level, on an energy body level, we experience it as a contraction, as a tightening, or a, um, something becoming small small, tight, contracted. So another way of working with with dukkha as a way of looking can be um, actually opening to notice contraction, opening to notice contraction. Yeah, whether it's in the body, often we can feel it, not just around physical sensations, but even if there's a contraction, there's dukkha in the mind, there'll be a contraction, corresponding contraction in the body a lot of the time. Or more subtle contractions in the energy body that we can sense and we feel the more quiet we are. And when we see these contractions, or or in the mind, in the field of awareness sometimes, you know, if we have a sense of our field of awareness, we can feel the field of awareness getting smaller, getting more contracted either around something specific or just in itself. And so all of these are indications, they're a sign, an expression of dukkha. Dukkha is present. Yeah. 
And, you know, of course, it takes a lot of um, sensitivity and much more mindfulness than in our daily lives to, to notice this, to notice this. But by turning the attention, turning the exploration to, to looking for this, to opening to that, we can see it more. And we can also start seeing the opposite. So to see how when craving fades, either if we're just following a natural event, you know, so it's maybe the last sitting before lunch and there's more and more kind of focus on the food to come. Yeah. And then we're just noticing that. We're just following that. We're just accepting that. We're seeing that unfolding. And even when um, it's not fading with the attention but in the moment when we're actually already in the dining room maybe in front of our plate and we notice the craving fading we can notice the contraction fading yeah all interconnected all interconnected so when the craving fades contraction fades there's more spaciousness in the body more ease in the energy body more ease in the mind, more spaciousness, more ease in, in our general sense. So it can also be something that we start looking at, you know, this, this um, relationship between the craving, the contraction, the dukkha, and actually the sense of self also is in there with them all. So a second way of looking we can play with, very similar to the first. So the first was just looking at phenomena as dukkha or as, as unsatisfactory, just using that very light noting with a subtext of because of its impermanence, because it's impermanent, because it's a nature. And a second way of, of working with dukkha as a way of looking can be the same, you know, this is dukkha, this is unsatisfactory, but the subtext is because of the contraction, you know. And sometimes for some of us that can be really direct because the experience of contraction is unpleasant, is clearly suffering. And so if we can connect to that, we, we, we view it in that way. We view it in that way. And so there's a lot here, there's really a lot here, so <laughs> bear with me. And um, also, you know, really, uh, I think we're offering all of this with the knowledge that it's not going to be possible to take it all in, but that if you'll be interested, you know, the recordings are going to be there. There's other, you know, this material <coughs> is out there in books and, and recordings, so you can refer back to it if it's, if it's an interesting practice for you. So you don't have to feel that you need to take in everything that I'm saying. So another, I've already pointed to it, but to kind of highlight it even more, is that insight that we all have of the connection between mind and body. You know, mind and body mirror each other, and I've already pointed to that. You know, the contraction in the body is often a sign of also a contraction in the mind. You know, dukkha is present. And so when we notice contraction in the, in the body, one way of letting go of, of the dukkha, of the craving that leads to the dukkha is relaxing the body. Yeah? And this is really useful, really helpful for us.
And so we can be interested, interested as we, we see contraction. We see contraction in the body, the energy body or the mind. We relax the body. And then we can look to see what the changes are in the mind and in the awareness and in the energy body. How does that affect the different um, manifestations of our experience? So we can start to kind of play around with this related or connectedness between body, mind, energy, body. So something else to look at, and this is also can this also falls into the grim category. <laughs> look look for yourself at this. But whatever is holding our attention, whatever is holding our attention, contains dukkha and a level of contraction in it. Yeah, whatever is holding our attention, whether it's a fantasy, whether it's a body pain, it contains some level of dukkha in it because there is some contraction there and this contraction is what is holding the attention. You know, either it's pulling us towards it if it's a desire or it's, um, you know, the contraction of trying to push something away if it's um, an aversion or it's that sense of disconnection and boredom if it's something that doesn't really grip us. So the stronger the desire and aversion are, the stronger they are, the stronger the contraction will be, the more evident it will be. And the more dukkha will be caused. Yeah, the stronger it is, the stronger the contraction will be, and the more dukkha there will be. So we've been, you know, with the Vedana and then other times as well, we've been kind of dividing the experience into the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, or we've been talking about desire and aversion quite a lot. It's two separate things. Sometimes it can simplify in this practice um, to actually not try and define whether this is desire or aversion. Because when we relate to it on the body, energy, body, awareness, contraction level, it's actually not different. Yeah, there's a contraction either way. And just to kind of point it out that desire and aversion manifest as like two sides of one coin. Yeah, if aversion is present, there's also desire. If desire is present, there's also aversion. They come together. So, um, you know, if there's an itch in the body, we can see it as aversion to the itch, but it also contains the desire for the itch to go away. So they're both there together. If there is um, a very pleasant fantasy going on in the mind, we can see it as desire, but it also contains aversion. Because there's some level of aversion to what is here that's creating the pull into something that seems more interesting. So they always um, come together on some level. So it's still really helpful as we um, you know, keep exploring these ways of looking, still really helpful to um, have a level of calmness in the citta, in the hard mind, heart mind. 
Um, and so the samatha practice is still very much um, at the base of what we're doing. And so it, you may find, and it's really individual, and there's no kind of advanced or non-advanced levels here. So you may find that it's still useful to do primarily samatha and dip into the ways of looking practices. Um, or you may find that you need less. Um, at a minimum, the encouragement is still to do between a third to half of the time samatha practices. Really help us, particularly when we're um, you know, exploring new ways, new practices. It really help, really, really helpful to um, ground in, in practices of calmness. And so feeling for yourself how to divide this, whether it's each session of meditation, you do some samatha in the beginning, and then into the ways of looking, or you alternate between sessions. You do some sessions, just samatha practice, some sessions, just ways of looking. Very individual um, for each, of, each person and, and also changeable through the day. So just to feel what is appropriate with that, but to remember that we're still including both in the practice. So, I think this is almost the last thing. So I've said that this way of looking um, as, it, as it kind of works, the release of the contraction, the release of the craving will bring some sense of relief and, and lightness and sometimes even joy. You might find, you might find <laughs> that you're doing the practice and that actually doesn't happen. Yeah, there's actually a sense of... Um, yeah, there's not much effect of, of the practice. And this can be, if, if that's your experience after doing this for, for a little while, um, it might be worth looking to see if there's um, a subtle level of aversion underlying the practice. Um, it can be very much something that's really common to all of us, um, that we use a certain practice um, as a way of getting rid of something we don't like. <laughs> so even the ways of looking, we can use in that way. It's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, welcome you, or I'm going to look at your impermanent, unsatisfactory nature so that I get rid of you and I have some relief. And if there's that level of kind of what we sometimes call dealing, <laughs> making a deal, uh, which is a subtle way of aversion, um, it often you know, doesn't really... The, the practice won't really have that um, effect of, of release and relief. And so if you see that's happening, um, a real opportunity not to bring in judgment and a sense of failure or not doing this right, but actually what can help is to amp up the um, acceptance, the allowance, the welcoming, the metta you know, all of these attitudes, to actually amp them up, to kind of turn up the volume or to bring them in more um, to the practice, or to even shift to a meta practice if that feels useful. And maybe actually just to say one more thing about meta practice, which we haven't really mentioned, um, meta um, can also work interchangeably with samatha practices. So... Um, if you're having, if it's difficult to work with the breath for whatever reason, 
you can work with metta and it will achieve the same, it does the same thing as the samatha practice. It helps collect, gather the mind and also um, create the kind of uh, atmosphere of um, non-judgmental judgmentalism, kindfulness, um, that, that we're, we're using the, um, the mindfulness, the samatha practices for. So just to put that out there. Um, some of you may be thinking, why didn't they say this earlier? But, uh, you know, better late than never. Um, it, is, it is really, really important to, to, to put that out there and to, to really feel free to use. Metta sometimes gets a bit of a, um, it's like the lesser um, in, in insight circles often is seen as like a, a lesser vehicle, like something not as, not as good a practice, absolute rubbish. Um, it's as powerful a practice than any other practices in the, in the insight circles. Um, and it's a way of looking as well, <laughs> you know, just to, to remember. Um, very, very powerful and very useful for, for some of us. To, to really gather the mind and to bring that atmosphere that allows the deepening of the practice and the seeing and the ending of suffering. Okay. So, yeah, so that's the, uh, that's it with uh, introduction, introduction blah blah as we call it. And uh, we have some time to, to practice together now. And I will be guiding this practice. So yeah, if you feel like you need to have a little stretch before taking your posture for this. It's going to be about a 25 minute sitting together if you need to change posture or stretch any parts of the body in any way, then take a few moments to do that. Ready, settling into the posture. Grounding the awareness in the body.
And for the first part of this practice time together, just establishing a calmness practice, gatheredness practice. In whatever way works for you, it can be with a breath, can be metta, can be body awareness. Just using whatever practice you're using right now to gather, settle, and bring together the heart-mind. Establishing in body awareness or metta practice with a breath or with the phrases. Just noticing as different phenomena arise into experience, whether it's the sensations of the breath, 
whether it's sounds, whether it's the sense, the feeling of the phrases of the metta practice, as different phenomena arise into experience, noticing the effect on the citta. Opening to feel if there's any clinging that will manifest, will be seen most clearly in a sense of contraction, either somewhere in the body space or in awareness. So we're just very gently opening to that. Primarily grounded in body, breath, metta, whatever we're using. Then opening from that. Noticing the impact on the citta of phenomena. Whatever the phenomena is, body sensation, sound, emotional experience, just noticing what happens in the citta. Is there a contraction? Is there a contraction in the body or in awareness? And seeing if it's possible to directly release that contraction, to directly relax the clinging and ease the relationship to phenomena. And you can do this by just gently tuning in to the moment-to-moment disappearance and dissolution, impermanence of the phenomena. Using the, the very gentle noting of dukkha or unsatisfactory. Whatever it is, irritation, fantasy, sense of dullness in the mind, Just lightly label it, note it as dukkha, unsatisfactory. Because of its impermanent nature. Noticing how it changes. So just keep doing this practice. 
Coming back to establishing breath, body, metta practice. And when phenomena arises in the body, in the mind, internally, externally, what we would call distractions, anything that calls our attention, feeling the contraction in the mind or the body, in the awareness or the body, and gently labeling it, noting it as dukkha, unsatisfactory. Staying with that very light naming. Seeing if it brings any ease or any relaxation to the contraction in the body. You can also experiment when you feel a contraction of clinging in the body or the mind, relation to any phenomena that arises. What happens if you label this phenomena as dukkha, unsatisfactory, 
because of its contractedness. Feeling the dukkha in the contraction. Exploring that for a while. Once again, noticing whatever phenomena is present in attention right now. Whatever is present in attention right now. Is there any clinging present? Is there any contraction present with this phenomena in the body or in awareness? What happens when you relax the bodily contraction? 
What happens when you relax the bodily contraction or you spread out the awareness, if the contraction is in awareness? What happens to the relationship with that phenomena? What happens to the dukkha? Playing with that. So whatever phenomena arises is present in your attention. Checking for any contraction in the body or in awareness. Then working with it in one of three ways. Either relaxing the bodily contraction Gently labeling it as dukkha, unsatisfactory. Seeing its changing nature. Or seeing the dukkha in the contraction that comes with it.
feel how it is in the body to experience dukkha in contraction. Feel how it is in the body for that to be released. So this was a really brief kind of exploration or kind of touch on this practice. Um, If there's interest, do feel free to really explore it through the day. And if at any point there's uh, some sense of um, lightness or pleasantness or relief coming from the practice, then do feel free to enjoy it. It can sometimes feel like like there's this kind of contradiction, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, really kind of dissolving the self, we're talking about seeing clearly into things, and so it can feel like if there's anything pleasant coming up, then we should just again, okay, just see, let's just see the dukkha in it, and move on, um, which is, is one way and, and can be effective, but equally it can also, it's so important to also feel experientially, to absorb for ourselves um, the release that comes from the practice. It's like a, um, it, it nourishes the practice, it nourishes our uh, dedication to, to keep going. There's going to be plenty of opportunities, plenty of times when it's difficult. So um, it, that's why it's, it's actually quite important if there is a sense of pleasantness or relief or lightness um, that comes to the practice to really let yourself um, feel it, to really let yourself feel it. And then the other things will come very quickly. It's not very likely that you're going to dwell there for the rest of the retreat. And if you do, that's also fine and actually quite good. But, um, you know, just trust that more dukkha will, <laughs> will come. Um, in different ways, so so to really let yourself do that. And with the walking, um, the walking today, um, so we're continuing with the walking, you know, in the same way, contact the feet on the ground, Um, but we can bring in the ways of looking into the walking practice as well, very, very much. So we can check, again, whenever something comes into our attention as we're walking, to just open and do what we just did, feel, is there a contraction in the body? Is there a contraction in awareness? And then what happens when I just see it as dukkha? 
or I relax the contraction in the body, what happens then? <clears throat> so to bring that in to the, to the walking practice as well. Um, and actually to, to any time in the day, you know, we're at the point in the retreat where we can really have continuity of practice, that it doesn't need to stop. Actually, it's quite helpful if it doesn't. So we can bring this kind of looking, um, any of the ways of looking that you're working with, into the, the full um, experience. You know, when we get up now and, and move outside, um, when, when there's a break, you know, and we're not in the, doing a formal type of practice, when we're eating, when we're doing our, um, our, our job, whatever it is, our task, you know, just to, to start bringing that in through the day. Um, but also with the walking this morning, um, sorry, today, to, um, to see if we can bring a, a kind of flavor of peace into the walking. So as we're doing our walking, either the formal walking practice or any walking, you know, walking from here back to your rooms or from here to the dining room, if we can walk as um, an act and an expression of peace, whatever that means to you, you know, whatever that means to you, just check that out. Peace, harmony, love, whatever, metta, whatever word that comes. Um, and a kind of do that is a, a way of walking that doesn't demand anything. That doesn't demand anything from, from life. So yeah, enjoy, enjoy the practice. Enjoy the, the day. And there's some time now for, um, for interviews for those who wish. <clears throat>